Welcome to the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast channel. My name is Kayla and I am your host. I am a 6-2 cycle generator spiritual mindset coach that works with entrepreneurs and service providers. I support them with embodying their human design and gene keys so that they can be fully self-expressed and clear in how they provide their services, call in their ideal clients, and sell their offers. In this episode, I'm really excited to be chatting with you because I'm going to be discussing a topic that is very passionate to me because it is something that I experienced before my time of becoming an entrepreneur and that's my experience of being in the corporate space or being in team spaces where I felt like there could have been better leadership, better cohesion, better collaboration. And so today now I'm bringing these two aspects together of how human design can be supportive in corporate or team-led environments. And I'm gonna be comparing and contrasting how a lot of hiring and onboarding processes, people use certain personality and behavioral tests. And I'm going to show you how human design can actually be an ongoing tool that will allow you to create a more diverse and inclusive work environment, whether you're running a business, a company, a specific team, is something that I'm really excited to talk about with you today. So let's dive into the episode and I'm sure that you're gonna learn a thing or two. And of course, I'll have some additional resources for you in the show notes. If you wanna connect with me, you can email me, hello at kaylag.com. And of course, you can also reach out to me on social media. So let's dive into this topic because I have been taking notes, my friends, and specifically I have about 15 pages that I wanna get through. These are obviously long form, but I'm gonna really break this conversation down into different chapters, for example, and we're really just gonna flow through everything. So what inspired me to record this podcast episode is that I have a lot of experience with working in different industries, whether that's health and fitness, teaching, Uh, getting into hospitality, travel. And so for me, it's been a lot of exposure to different environments, different workplaces, whether it's remote or in person. And I think that one of the things that is majorly lacking is using innovative tools and concepts that can transform a corporate culture or work environment and improve employee engagement. And I've, I've immersed myself in over a decade of personal growth and development. I've done numerous amounts of seminars and courses and certifications, and I've learned a lot from them. And I see some of them being implemented in these different industries and fields of work. But I think that talking about human design today is really going to be an interesting view on comparing this to traditional personality tests that people use in hiring and then people try to use in the workplace because there's some inconsistencies and I wanna show you how you can create the best environment. So what I really want to talk about is how human design made a difference for me. And we're going to dive into what human design is first, because I think that if you're new to this topic, you're probably like, what the heck is she talking about? I'm going to give you an introduction to that and we're going to build onto this conversation and I'll share my experience throughout this recording. So human design is a system that combines the elements of astrology, the I Ching, the Kabbalah, the chakra system and what it does is it creates a unique energy profile for individuals so ra uruhu was the founder of this and basically he synthesized these systems together and what it does is that it, it creates a body graph and it shows your energetic imprinting and the way that you look up your human design is through 
the internet. So all you need is your birth time, your date and location. If you go into Google, I personally use genetic matrix to look up my chart. I find this system is the most advanced out of the ones online. And I will be honest, sometimes if you use different websites, you might get different results. I found that genetic matrix was the most consistent for me. And this system is really about understanding one's innate traits, strengths and weaknesses and how they are designed to interact with the world around them. So this is a tool that's primarily been used in personal development and self-awareness contexts. And it can really be something that I believe that can be used in corporate culture to improve team dynamics, communication and productivity. So the reason why I think this is so unique is because when we look at personality tests, and I've seen a lot of people, including myself, having to do these personality tests before getting hired, is that personality tests are based on your behavior and your motivations, which can change. Your human design chart is set based on your birth date, time, and location. So there's a level of consistency. And we're going to dive into the nitty-gritty of that today. So in human design, talked about how you look up your chart, talked about the information that you needed, and we're going to talk about the breakdown of the five different types that you find in human design. Every type has their own strategy, authority, their not self theme, their signature. And what that means is that this is like their roadmap to how they're best designed to operate in the world, whether that's in relationships, whether that's in career, whether that is in their business. So each type has their own way of taking action and knowing what's best for them and what's not best for them. And so there's a lot of nature versus nurture and nuance in this. And I'm really just going to be covering the foundational aspects in today's conversation. But I think that having this understanding and, you know, if you're suddenly inspired to go with your team and look up their human design and you have enough information where you can support them, even with the basics, you're going to notice a very significant improvement in people's productivity and their happiness and ability to communicate. The five human design types are we have manifestors. They make up about 9% of the population and they're known for their ability to initiate and make things happen. There's a powerful aura that they have and this energy is best used for when they are ready to take action because they've received this urge to initiate and they're really here to bring change and create an impact through their decisions and actions. Generators are the most common type in human design. So generators and manifesting generators, manifesting generators are a hybrid of generators and manifestors. These make up about 65 to 70% of the population. So generators, they have a sustainable and consistent life force energy and they're designed to respond to opportunities and follow what excites them. When they are engaged in work activities that light them up, you're going to notice that they're really going to have the sense of satisfaction and fulfillment, and it really gives this contagious energy to the people around them. They're not here to initiate like manifestors, but they're great at responding to the world around them. Manifesting generators, the hybrid, right? They have both the energy to initiate and respond to their environment. They're quick, multi-talented, and have a great tendency of being able to juggle multiple projects simultaneously. So they also have that generator energy of being happiest when they're following their excitement and their joy of what, what they love to do or build and create. Projectors, they make up about 20% of the population. They are the natural guides and advisors. They have what we call a penetrating aura and they can really deeply understand others and situations around them. They're here to manage and direct the energy of others 
but they need to wait to be invited in order to share their advice or their insights and to be recognized before they share their wisdom so that everyone can benefit from it. So it really is when they're called in to give their expertise that everyone is going to excel in that experience. And then the last type we have is reflectors. Reflectors are 1% of the population. They're the rarest type in human design and they have a reflective aura. So what they really do is they take in and amplify the energy of other people and they're essentially like mirrors. So they're really great at reflecting the health of the environment and they're really deeply connected to community and really knowing what's best for others and they really need that extra time and space to make decisions and thrive. And they do best obviously when they're in a healthy and supportive environment. So we're going to dive into some examples of how human design can be supportive. I want to talk about career and work, relationships, personal growth and well-being, decision-making, personal fulfillment. When it comes to career and work, I mentioned how the different types can have certain gifts. I don't want to say necessarily strengths and weaknesses because it's just different. When we start seeing strengths and weaknesses, we start to create this hierarchy and I'm not really interested in creating that because I'm committed that we have a harmonious conversation and how to be more inclusive using this as a tool. So when we can understand someone's human design, we can help them identify career paths or roles that align with their inherent gifts and energetic imprinting that they have. For example, their strengths and talents, just to keep some layman terminology in this conversation today. So this can ultimately help people have greater job satisfaction and a sense of purpose in one's professional life because their natural way of being is being strongly considered in how they are executing their effort and their time and their energy and the role that they have. There can be more motivation when somebody's aligned with their human design. They can actually engage in work that excites them and allows them to feel like they resonate with the work that they're doing. And so they're going to perform better because they're going to be motivated and they're going to be creating that success. And this is naturally going to lead to increased productivity and the willingness to go the extra mile in the work that they're doing. It's also going to allow them to have effective decision making. So I shared earlier how with every type, there is a unique strategy and authority that they have. And so when people use their strategy and authority according to their human design, it really allows them to make more effective and aligned choices when it comes to their career and the work, the performance and the tasks and whatnot that they're doing. So this can really support them with not feeling stuck, like they have to be doing the work that they've been assigned to do in unfulfilling jobs or industries. When we consider relationships, when we understand each other's types and our strategy and authority, it allows us to improve communication. So it can really enhance the communication and collaboration in personal and professional relationships because there's going to be a more harmonious understanding of why some people may process differently or may need more time to make decisions or may need to speak things out in a specific way for them to contemplate and understand the best decision for them to make. It's also a really great tool for respecting boundaries. So I talked about the different energetic capacities that each of the human design types have. And sometimes we talk about the manifesting generators and generators make up 70% of the population. They have a very heavy influence on manifestors, projectors, and reflectors. And these three types are often caught operating as if they have their sacral defined like generators and manifesting generators, and it leads to burnout. And so being able to respect each other's boundaries in terms of where people are best to operate and the different tasks and work that they should be doing is really going to be supportive in relationship, personal and professional. When we consider this from a personal growth and well-being perspective, it's really an incredible tool to reduce, reduce resistance and burnout. 
So when we are following that strategy and authority, it's really going to allow people to be more consistent with their excitement and, and their flow. And it's, it's going to show people when they need to rest, when they need to take action, when they need to ask for support. And it's going to allow people to, when they feel better more than they don't feel great about what it is that they're doing, there's going to be more consistency in how they show up and communicate. There's a really great opportunity for embracing authenticity and not trying to fit in because it's really a permission slip. This is one of the biggest things that I hear from people that I work with. It's like a massive permission slip for people just to be themselves. And when I have done coaching with clients around their human design, and it's like they, they almost already know what it is that I'm telling them, but then it's like a weight is lifted from their shoulders because they feel encouraged to simply be themselves. And it actually supports them in having a more positive self-image and it promotes self-acceptance and enhances their overall well-being. The other thing that can be developed through personal growth and well-being is just enhanced resilience. So when someone actually understands how they're designed to operate, they can have more resilience in the sense that they're going to know what's best for them and what's not. They're going to be able to navigate life's challenges or work's challenges with a greater adaptability and bounce back from setbacks more effectively. The next aspect I want to dive into is decision making. So I shared how you have your authority and your strategy with how one makes decisions based on your human design. And what I really love about this is that it's it's about developing people to come back to their own inner authority. And what that means is that it's really teaching people to trust themselves and making the best decisions for them. And so that we're not just making decisions on people pleasing or doing what we think we should be doing. And it gets to be a very authentic expression of somebody knowing what's best for them and ultimately being able to share that with others and benefiting others because there's this level of honesty and transparency of the decisions that someone needs to make for themselves, for their family, for their work environment, and so on. The last aspect I want to dive into is a personal fulfillment. One of the things I really love about human design is that it can really create a picture for someone to understand their life purpose. And it really allows them to find a deeper meaning in living a fulfilling life because they're going to be focused on the things that lights them up. They're going to be focused on their energetic cycles in terms of when they're going to be most productive, when they need to rest, when not to force things. And it's also going to create this space because when we're not burnt out, which I mentioned earlier, to have more flow and creativity. And when we have that flow and creativity, whether we have a creative work or it's more analytical or, you know, we're doing, we're, we're optimizing systems and working together as a team, this is really going to foster a sense of flow and actions and enhance overall productivity and fulfillment because it's not based on things being forced to be done. It's like, well, how can I be creative? There's this curious aspect of it because when you see things through the lens of your own human design, it allows you to create a unique process that you can do when taking action. The beginning of this conversation is I'm really looking at this from an individual perspective, but now I just want to give some examples of how you can use this in a corporate setting. And I think that this is where it gets really powerful because obviously we talked about well-being, communication, relationships, but I think when you take it on another level to a team environment, these are some of the really important things that human design can influence. The first one is self-awareness and team building. When you actually understand your team member's human design, you can shift the way that you communicate with them and they can also have a self-awareness for themselves so that they improve their communication. And again, it's going to be able to be a tool where you have this knowledge that can lead to more effective team building exercises and foster a greater appreciation for diverse work styles. 
this part is huge, right? When we are aware of our best ways of working, we can adapt. And ultimately, that's going to impact the overall goal that a corporation or a team or a business has because everyone is on the same page in their own book, which is really powerful. The next thing is communication and conflict resolution. So human design can provide insights into how people individually process information and make decisions. And having this understanding can really lead to improved communication strategies, which will then reduce misunderstandings and conflicts within the team. I think that this is a massive tool because once there's a conflict and something that needs to be resolved, if we don't have the tools to communicate in a way that resonates with people, then that kind of festers and can create more tension in the team, which obviously breaks the harmonious aspect that I'm really emphasizing in today's conversation. The next thing is considering work assignments and roles. So when we consider somebody's job, their roles, their tasks, their assignments that they're doing, you can leverage the human design types and energy profiles to enhance job satisfaction and productivity because you're going to be able to tailor the role and the, the tasks and the things that you need done to the person's abilities without needing to force or change anything about that person. So for example, generators are known for their sustainable energy. So they may excel in roles that require consistent endurance while projectors with their keen insights may thrive in a more advisory or leadership position. Manifestors will be incredible at initiating projects and being able to direct and inform and lead people. And reflectors are going to be incredible at really mirroring back the integrity of the situation and really being able to be that pulse on what is happening overall within the collective of the team or the business or the company. Decision-making processes. So I think that this is so important because when it comes to making decisions in business, in a team environment, everyone makes decisions differently. And it's really interesting because what I love most is that when you, if you're someone that's read a lot of personal development books, you may be familiar with the traditional claims that successful people make a lot of decisions and they make them quickly. And so that kind of paints this assumption that that is what leads to success. But the contrast with human design is that when we allow people to make their decisions based on their human design, their authority, and their strategy, it's going to allow them to make the best decisions, which will positively impact everyone. So for example, generators often rely on their gut feelings. Projectors will benefit from waiting for invitations or being recognized and called into a conversation or opportunity and really being able to understand someone's human design and integrate this into the decision-making process and team environments or leadership roles will naturally lead to more efficient and effective outcomes. The next thing we're going to dive into here, work environment and design. There is an incredible aspect of human design that I won't dive into because it's very in-depth. But when you consider the ideal environment for each type, it can massively enhance the workspace to accommodate the energetic needs for everyone on your team. So really being able to have quiet areas for reflection or focus and then having collaborative spaces for teamwork. I'm not kidding you. Some people are going to thrive being by a window. Some people are going to thrive being in a corner with walls to their back. 
Some people are going to thrive working in small teams. And you, you think that you just naturally create these environments in your workspace. But if you actually look at someone's human design type, it can create the specific environment that that person is going to thrive in. So when that person's thriving, it's obviously going to have a massively positive impact on how they show up on your team and, you know, achieve the outcomes that you're working on together. The last one here is employee well-being. So when you consider the human design principles that I'm talking about and employee wellness, people are going to be better at managing their energy levels, which is naturally going to promote a healthier work-life balance and prevent burnout, right? So when you think about if your employees are satisfied, they're fulfilled in the work that they're doing, they're working in an environment that supports their energy, the communication is on point, they're, they're naturally going to be healthier. You're going to have less sick days. You're going to have less sabbaticals. You're going to have less mental health days because your people on your team are going to feel like they're deeply cared for and that there is a massive consideration for individuation and collaboration in the environment that they're in. The last one, actually, I know I said the last one was employee well-being, but this is the last one, leadership development. So leaders who are aware of their human design type can better understand their leadership style, communication preference, and potential blind spots. So this really ties into self-awareness, but when leadership individuals have awareness of their own design, they're going to be able to enhance their effectiveness as leaders and improve their ability to lead diverse teams. And then obviously when you understand the designs of your employees or your team members, it's, it's going to be this cohesive, ability to connect one-on-one and taking out the hierarchies and it's just having this understanding of that person as an individual rather than just the role that they're in and the job that needs to be done. So I wanted to share all of this before we dive into the second sort of chapter and I talk and compare traditional personality tests because when I, in the last few years, when I brought this into an environment, I was doing some contract work And I was so grateful because the team that I was working on was very open-minded and I came forth and I was working with two managers on some projects and I taught them about human design. So one of them was a manifester, the other was a manifesting generator and I'm a generator. So I literally explained to them how we could operate best as a team. I explained to the manifester, like if you just give me things to respond to you inform me what you need done, you initiate, I will go and do those things. And if I get to do the things that light me up, it's going to get done quicker. And it's just going to be a very harmonious experience for everyone involved. With the manifesting generator, she would come in, she would plug in, she was dynamic, she was innovative, she would inform, she would initiate, she was also creative. And so because we understood these things about each other and we were also working fully remote, which I know remote work is much more common in this day and age, we were able to have a very harmonious relationship and I absolutely loved working with them while I was on contract with that company. And so this was such a beautiful experience for me and this is also another reason why I decided to record this podcast episode because I use this as a tool in my business, working individually with entrepreneurs, CEOs, high-level professionals but also I've used this in a more corporate setting and it made such a difference and it was fun and it was playful and it was very unique so with that being said we're going to compare and contrast the personality tests and I want to do this because 
I've personally done personality tests. I've also seen other people who have gone into certain corporate roles or team environments where they also did personality tests. And I think that it's important to acknowledge that the human design system, like I said, is based on your birth information. And it's a synthesis of multiple modalities together, while personality tests are more deeply rooted in your behavior and your motivations, which, because we're human, can change, especially depending on the environment that we're in. So we're going to be talking about a couple different tests that have come up that I've seen, and I've done a few of them myself, but I just want to talk about the things that these tests are looking for that I believe can also be found in human design, but will be more consistent through human design. So the first one is a Myers-Briggs test. So this is a widely known and used personality test, categorizing people over 16 different personality types based on if they're introverted, extroverted, thinking versus feeling. And so people use this to try and understand how candidates may approach problem solving, communication, and decision making. When I did this test for the first time back in 2016 i showed up as an enfj which was extrovert i moved to back to victoria bc in canada and i did the test again and i showed up as an infj so i changed to introvert and so it's one of those things because of the nuance these things can change based on environments and life experiences and even you know if it's obviously being used for problem solving and communication and decision making the more experience we gain in life can change the way that we solve problems and communicate and make decisions. The next one is a DISC assessment. So this is known as looking for four primary behavioral traits, dominance, influence, steadiness, and consensuousness. And it identifies, again, to look for communication styles, motivation, and strengths in specific work environments. So again, it's, it's instead of looking at the individual it's focused on how is this person going to respond in this environment rather than understanding the individual and then looking at what environment would be ideal for them the next one here is the big five personality traits this is known as the five factor model and the five personality dimensions used with this test is openness to experience consensuousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and emotional stability so again it has to do with predicting their behavior in various situations the caliper profile is really looking at personality traits and cognitive abilities to try and predict one's job performance and potential for success in specific roles. So I find this interesting because I feel the nuances, it really depends on the environment because somebody might be incredible at what they do, but it might be a not so great environment. And so the nuance of being able to predict somebody's success is interesting, but there's many aspects in human design where if you understand how somebody is meant to thrive in a certain environment, you can actually control that more than just taking a test. We have the Hogan Personality Inventory, also known as HPI. This is also testing to gain insights on how people might behave in work-related situations, looking for strengths, values, potential derailers that could hinder performance. So the interesting thing some people want to know about derailers and in human design right away there's there's many ways that i could look at someone's chart and show them okay these are what i would call your areas of conditioning so what that means is that these are your highly influential areas in your chart where you may be pulled out of your natural state of how you're best designed to take action so this is how you can handle that so immediately there is a solution and it's not just oh this person is black and white this is how they're going to react in the specific situation 
We have strengths finders. So instead of looking for weaknesses, this is about identifying somebody's top strengths in 34 possible different themes. So this is really going to look at the strengths and align somebody with their natural abilities. We have predictive index. The PI assessment evaluates four primary behavioral drives. So we call them dominance, extroversion, patience, and formality. And again, this is looking at how somebody will approach challenges, communicate, and fit into specific work cultures. We have the Enneagram. This is another test that I've done. So this categorizes individuals into nine different personality types with distinct motivations and behaviors. And so this can really help employers look at what are somebody's core motivations and potential areas of growth. When I first did this test, I was a four with a five and six wing, and then it changed to a three with a two and four wing. So again, because we're looking at motivations, what motivates us in life can change. And then we have the last one or two, two last ones here, the Clifton Strengths. This is looking at somebody's top talents based on 34 different themes. And it's really looking at trying to match people to their strengths, but also sometimes, and this is the thing with, I mentioned briefly earlier, nature, nature versus nurture. Even though, I'll give you, this is a classic example. I talked about how generators and manifesting generators, they have their circle defined. This means that they have a more consistent energy flow for, for building things, creativity, and so on. While the other three types are really going to be able to contribute in different ways. It's very easy for somebody who does not have their cycle defined to operate as if they do. And then because they've been operating that way their entire life, it looks like a strength, but actually they're burnt out and they're not aligned with how they're energetically designed to show up. So there's a caveat with the interpretation of strengths. And so I just wanted to emphasize that because again, this is something else that you can look at through a human design chart and really support someone with. The last one is the Burke assessment. Might be Berkey, I haven't actually heard of this, so please forgive me if this is incorrect. Again, this is personality traits, behavioral tendencies, and cognitive abilities to support employers with hiring and predict their potential job performance. And again, I feel like the predicting of job performance is so nuanced because we actually don't know how that person is going to respond to the work environment until they're in that specific work environment. So I've obviously dove into the aspects of different types of personality tests and the specific themes that these tests are looking for that you can actually find more consistencies in with human design. But I want to look at some of the pros and cons with using this rather than human design. And then I'm also going to talk about the flaws with human design over personality tests. Because again, I know I'm being biased, but I'm also working on not being biased. Here are the three pros to using personality tests. First one, identifying strengths and weaknesses. So obviously this can show areas of opportunity, really being able to leverage people's present skills effectively and then be able to offer them the correct training and support when they get hired. It can be a prediction for job performance, but obviously I've already kind of brought in the nuance with this, but it can give some insight into how, based on the present situation before this person works for the corporation, how they might respond or behave in certain work environments and offer indications of their potential performance. 
and then support for team building. So with personalities within a team, you can look at, you know, making it cohesive and creating more collaboration and capitalizing on, on individual strengths, whether somebody is introvert or extrovert, or they really excel in analytical tasks and, and projects, that kind of thing. So here's the cons. And I think that the really big thing is limited predictive power. So I've already kind of influenced this, but it may not be a highly accurate predictor of job performance because other factors like skills, experience, motivation are also critically involved in this. And there's a sensitivity to context. So personality traits can manifest it differently in different contexts. And then we have potential for bias. Some personality tests may contain imp implicit biases or cultural preferences, which can lead to unfair or inaccurate evaluations of someone from diverse backgrounds. And then we have over-reliance on labels. And you know what? I think this also ties into human design. So I'm going to say that as well, because you know we have the five different types and there are certain things that are black and white, but also nuanced, but labels can cause limitations. So Categorizing candidates into specific personality traits can oversimplify their complexities and limit opportunities for growth and development. So the real flaws overall are just social desirability bias. So candidates might actually respond in a way that they think that their employer wants them to respond to these personality tests and it may not be as honest or authentic, right? Again, so there's that possibility for manipulation and control within the test. The validity and reliability concerns. So not all personality tests are created equal. Some might be lacking strong psychometric properties such as validity, reliability, and leading to less accurate or consistent results. So it'd be interesting, like I, like I shared, how when I did the Enneagram and I did the Myers-Briggs, like those changed over time when I was living in different environments, when I was in different work forces. Self-perception versus actual behavior. So people may not have the self-awareness to completely understand their own personality. So there can be a discrepancy between what they say on a test versus their actual behavior. And then we have the trait situation interaction. So personality traits may interact with situational factors affecting behaviors differently in various contexts. So again, I kind of mentioned this earlier the context which somebody goes in, the environment that somebody goes in can completely change your behavior. And it's kind of like practice how you play. You're doing a test to say how you're going to perform or show up in a certain way, but you're not actually practicing how you're playing. You're, you're just practicing on, you know, a computer screen by answering questions. Whereas you're actually going to see someone's true colors when they're in the environment. The other aspect I think is important to point out is behavior-based focus. So, Personality tests can aim to capture how individuals typically respond in different situations. However, they might not be able to dive into one's psyche or provide insight into specific skills and the actual experience that that person has because the questions are limited on the test. So those are some cons versus the pros. And I want to talk about the limitations of human design in a corporate setting because ultimately... I don't ever think it's good to be super black and white. Some people might find that certain personality tests, depending on the corporate space or work environment, have been very supportive. And you might also find that human design can be supportive too. But I'm still going to talk about the flaws because I think it's important just to be open-minded. So the limitations with human design in a corporate setting is that, first of all, there is a lack of empirical support. Human design is not scientifically validated compared to some of the personality tests. 
First one is there's lack of empirical support. It's not scientifically validated and the claims are based on channeled information rather than legitimate research. And some individuals and organizations may be skeptical about implementing a belief system without concrete evidence for its effectiveness. With that being said, I find that if you really want to know how effective human design is, it's getting connected with people who have used this as a tool, either in their personal life, in their business, in their families. Human design, I haven't said this yet, but it's it's becoming a massive tool with parenting and being able to support kids. Like really looking to have conversations of real life examples can offer you a technically biased insight, but also it's real people sharing real experiences. Complexity and overwhelm. This is a very complex system. I shared how we have the I Ching, the Kabbalah tree, the chakra system. Some people might not even understand the words that I'm using and that's okay. But there's very intricate charts involved with human design, a lot of layers of information and employees might find it overwhelming or confusing to understand and apply this to their daily work as a leader or even supporting their employees. And so this can lead to disinterest or resistance because it is so heavy. With that being said, obviously my solution to this is looking to hire someone that can do that heavy lifting and share what needs to be shared to support you as a leader and to support your team so that you don't have to go and learn everything yourself. The third one is potential for unethical use. So misusing human design in the hiring process can lead to discrimination and bias and inappropriately using it may result in excluding or marginalizing employees based on their energetic profiles, which is ethically unacceptable so we talked about earlier the limitations of labels and when we consider oh i'm not we're not going to hire anyone who's not a sacral being because we need consistent workers so if you're a projector manifestor or reflector we're not hiring you like that's obviously unethical right and it's really again the reason why i'm sharing this episode is because i'm adamant about showing how this can be a tool for cohesiveness and harmony And so it is important to pay attention to the biases. And I think the way that we can work on that is paying attention to the individuation of each person and how they can be a contribution rather than thinking that if somebody can do a lot of work all the time, they should be hired over anyone else because there's going to be an imbalance. There can be an overemphasis on individuality. So obviously I have really emphasized how this is such a unique tool because it really shows the individual aspects of someone but if we focus too much and we go into the excessive focus on personal characteristics based on someone's human design it can overshadow the importance of teamwork and collective collaboration in a corporate or team environment setting personal privacy and consent so obviously i shared that looking up your human design chart involves your birth details and some people may not feel comfortable with sharing that information Some people might not know their birth information. A lot of people actually don't know what time they're born and the specific time actually plays a very critical role in a lot of the factors of the chart, including certain activations and whatnot. Potential for stereotyping. So if you look at, and this is why in the work that I do, I really focus on the nuance. I just gave a very high level overview of the five different types in human design and each of the strategies and authorities, but Really, I love to go into the nuance because what can happen is if you just look at the types, it can mistakenly be used for stereotyping and making assumptions about someone's behavior and their capabilities, and this will naturally limit their growth potential within the organization. So it's really important to not 
stereotype and then of course have that balance between that individuation limited applicability so human design concepts might not be universally applicable or relevant to all individuals or organizational contexts and the principles may not resonate with everyone and I think that not all employees will find value in applying it to their professional lives. It just might not be of interest. Diversion from evidence-based approaches. So overemphasizing human design can lead to neglecting evidence-based approaches or practices that have actually been proven effective in enhancing corporate or team culture and employee well-being. So I think that, again, I talked about personality tests. I'm talking about human design. And both can be effective together or depending on the team or organization you have, one or the other might be effective. So it's just, again, being considerate of how can you diversify the tools that you use to support your team, but also consider not leaning too far over into the stereotypes or labels like we talked about earlier. Incompatibility with organizational structure. So kind of already touched on this, but these principles may not align in a company's hierarchical approach that they have with running their business, right? So it might not fit in with the standardized processes or the goals. And so this might make it challenging to integrate into existing practices that are actually functioning very well. The last one is legal considerations. So it may, depending on what legalities a company has and i think that even with other personality tests depending on the information needed to conduct these tests introducing human design into corporate culture may raise legal concerns especially if it intersects with employment laws or conflicts with established workplace policies so that's just another aspect to take into consideration but ultimately having legal considerations is simply to benefit everyone involved and create a safe work environment so naturally it's just to do one's research, look into human design. Can this be a tool? Will this be effective? Is it going to be able to support people and honor the organization's policies? This was a very jam-packed, informative recording. And I'm really passionate about sharing this work because comparing and contrasting even my own experience of doing personality tests versus human design, when I look back at my previous team and corporate experiences, I think that if I had human design, I would have been more fulfilled and I would have been more successful in my roles because I would have felt more seen as an individual in the work that I was doing rather than just somebody filling a role. And I think that in this day and age, people are, whether they work in a corporate environment, a team environment, they're running a business, they're the leadership of a team, people want to feel a purpose in the work that they do. And everyone deserves that 100%. And I don't think that it should be based on if somebody works hard, then they get to fulfill their purpose. It's really how can we foster an environment and a harmonious space where people can thrive simply being themselves and fulfilling on what it is with the work that they're doing. And so just to kind of recap a couple of things today, I really hope that this inspired you to be curious if you're new to human design and you're running a team or you're a high-level professional, CEO, whatever it is that you're doing. is like, how can you bring this in to really create a harmonious experience with the people that you're working with? You know, I shared that human design is unique because it combines the different elements of spirituality. Not going to lie. There's the astrology, the I Ching, Kabbalah, the chakra system really is this individualized energetic blueprint based on the birth information of someone and it's really deeply focused on life purpose decision making strategies and energetic strengths 
And then we have the tr traditional personality tests. So these are based on psychological theories and empirical research, right? So these are the massive contrast between human design and personality tests. They categorize individuals into personality types or profiles based on shared traits and behaviors, but also there's not that, that you know, unique approach with human design of considering someone's energetic capacity and unique way of showing up and taking action in the work that they do. So I believe that human design really has a potential to foster a more authentic and inclusive and purpose-driven culture, whether that's corporate, whether that's team culture, small team, big team, and really being able to embrace the unique energetic blueprints of everyone will allow employees, contractors, your team members to operate from a place of authenticity, aligning their work with their natural strengths and talents that they have. And this will lead to increased engagement, motivation, and productivity. And it's really about honoring every individual's unique decision-making strategy and their authority and promoting a culture, environment, ambience out of respect and consent in the workplace. And by recognizing the diverse ways that people make decisions, the people that you work with are empowered to contribute meaningfully which will ultimately create a collaborative and more inclusive environment. And it's really going to support the people that you're working with to gain a deeper sense of purpose and fulfillment in their roles. It's going to help them develop their self-awareness, which is going to help them make better decisions and communicate more effectively. And they're really going to, through discovering their unique contributions, they're going to be more committed to the organization's missions and values because they're going to have more of a shared purpose among team members because of the deeper understanding that they have for themselves and their natural gifts that they're here to give to others. And so I really hope that you are sparked with a curious lens of what is this human design? How can I bring this into a corporation, a team, and be able to run a business and the people that you work with more effectively and just shift the old paradigm of corporate well-being and satisfaction with the job like there's so much that people can benefit from by using this as a tool if you're interested in learning more about human design because this is newer to you I want to invite you to check out I have a seven-day human design challenge in the show notes and this will specifically break down the foundational aspects of your chart you're going to learn about your type your strategy your authority you're going to learn about the different centers, which is the equivalent to the chakra system that I talked about earlier, the I Ching system. There's some really great resources in this. And I want you to know that if you are interested in hiring someone to support with your team, whether that's in a corporate setting or you're running a team with a small business, I am absolutely in love with doing what I call synergetic team coaching. And I'm really committed that everyone gets to thrive. This is something that is so important to me after having experienced decades of my initial work experience just being unsatisfied. I think that this can really change the direction of the workforce in the world, if I'm being completely honest. And so I would love the opportunity to elevate your team's performance and create a more harmonious work environment. I think that everyone will succeed in that. So. If you're interested in connecting and chatting more and learning more about human design and you're looking for professional support, you can email me hello at kaylag.com or you can reach out to me on Instagram and I'd be happy to chat with you. But in the meantime, check out the show notes. There's an incredible amount of resources there. 
so much to learn about human design. I talk a lot about gene keys and that is a whole other conversation, but I'll include some great episodes if you want to get into the gene keys as well. So I want to thank you for taking the time today for listening to this recording, for being open-minded, for being curious. And obviously, if you're listening to this, you have a commitment to leading a team and a work environment that allows people to thrive. And I think that that's a testament to your commitment and your self-awareness of always wanting to create a better place for people to work and to collaborate. So I acknowledge you for that. So if you can take a moment to please subscribe to the podcast channel and leave a review on Spotify or Apple, it takes a couple seconds, helps me get this workout into the world so I can support more people, which is a massive privilege. And you get to also contribute to that by sharing. So thank you so much for listening and tuning in. And I'm really looking forward to connecting with you and chatting with you in future episodes. 